When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Inside Schizophrenia, hosted by Rachel Starr Withers, an advocate who lives openly with schizophrenia. We're talking to experts about all aspects of life with this condition. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Inside Schizophrenia, a Healthline Media podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Starr Withers, here with my great co-host, Gabe Howard. Today's topic is one of the most infamous treatments for schizophrenia. It's regularly shown in entertainment as inhuman, terrifying, and torture, something that will fry your brain and erase your memory. We're talking about electroconvulsive therapy, ECT, formerly called electric shock. Now, of course, Rachel, like all things portrayed in the movies, as we've talked about on this show pretty much since its inception, you should not get medical advice from movies. Is ECT and electroshock therapy, electroconvulsive, one of those things that is misportrayed in, in, in pop culture? Absolutely. I always say this, like, nothing is ever as exciting as it is in the movies. People always ask me, like, well, what, what was ECT like for you? And I, and I tell them, they're just like, oh. I'm like, yeah, I was asleep. They put me asleep. Then they woke me up. No, like, well, did you jerk around? Well, for one, I was asleep. So I don't know. But also, no, I didn't. Just like everything related to schizophrenia, it has a lot of misconceptions about it. And the misconceptions aren't just on how it is administered. It's also on its impact, its effect, its side effect. It's really just all encompassing. And I'm excited we finally got around to doing this episode because it's a question that I personally have witnessed Rachel get asked a lot whenever she brings it up. People are utterly fascinated with ECT. And I'm so glad, Rachel, that that you're willing to share this publicly because it it gets really kind of a bad rap that it doesn't deserve, but it, it still has side effects and it's still important to understand what you're getting into. And it's an effective treatment for people with schizophrenia, especially those with treatment resistant schizophrenia, like myself. I'm very excited because today our guest is Ashley, who is currently undergoing electroconvulsive therapy. She's going to share with us her experiences, the good and the bad. I'm so excited we have Ashley, by the way, Gabe, because she is only, I kid you not, the second person I've ever met who that, as far as I know, has undergone ECT. I think that's amazing because it really is a very common treatment. Do you think the reason that Ashley is the first person that you've ever met is because she's the first person you've ever met or she's the first person who received ECT that's been open enough about it to tell you that she received ECT? Honestly, it's a little bit of both. Um, From doing this podcast, from getting to do conventions and travel around the world speaking, I've met a lot of people with schizophrenia. And it has shocked me how many of them have questions about ECT, wanting to know, like, well, how did you get it? Do they still do it? That's why I say, like, I have met a lot of people who I know didn't have it, but I can imagine there are quite a few who I've met who didn't say anything because there is quite the stigma around having ECT. 
And Rachel, we want to disclose to our audience that, that the stigma surrounding ECT is so pervasive that our guest's real name is not Ashley. We wanted to ensure that she did not have any issues by being on the show, so we just went ahead and, and changed her name. Her story is completely honest. She is completely honest, but we just wanted to give her that little extra protection because uh, Rachel and I have been on the receiving end of that stigma, and we wanted to make sure that everything was okay. That's how serious the stigma surrounding ECT can be. Electroconvulsive therapy is something that I'm very passionate about. For me, if I had not had it 15 years ago, I can tell you that I would not be here. Um, I definitely would have committed suicide. And that was one of the reasons that I was in such a bad place that pushed me to get electroconvulsive therapy. I see it as a lifesaver. And I do understand there's lots of people that have had bad experiences, especially in the beginning when ECT was first being developed. So yes, it has some bad stuff connected to it that is completely legitimate. For me and for a lot of others, though, it was a lifesaver. And unfortunately, I think it is an underutilized treatment. There's so many people who have committed suicide who never knew this was an option. And that's always kind of been my goal is that I want people to know, look, if you haven't tried this, there is one other option you should try. All right. So let's define our terms. What exactly is ECT? ECT, electroconvulsive therapy, is a treatment used for certain mental illnesses. And what happens is electrical currents are sent through the brain to induce a seizure. And the seizure is actually the treatment. That's the therapy. So the electricity is just to induce the seizure. ECT is considered beneficial for people with schizophrenia who also have treatment-resistant schizophrenia, catatonia, suicidal ideation, severe symptoms, depression, and mania. I want to be clear, this isn't just a fix-all like, oh, well, why don't we give ECT to everybody? No, it is seen as kind of the next level. When other treatments have not worked is when you start to talk about ECT. After you've tried antipsychotics, after you've tried multiple things, and you're still not managing your schizophrenia. It's not the first treatment that you go to. It's a treatment that you can use when those treatments have failed. It's a, it's a higher level, just to be very, very clear. I, I think that's one of the things that pop culture does a very poor job of. Somebody is acting erratic. They, they go to a doctor or a therapist and they're like, oh, well, you have schizophrenia or you have psychosis. And the next thing you know, ECT. That's not where we are. If the movie were true, the ECT would come towards the end of the movie after we've eliminated many other trial steps, therapies, etc. And then the finale would be the ECT. But the, the ECT always seems to happen at the beginning of the show. Yes. Rachel, I want to circle back to the definition of ECT. Your definition is medically accurate. It is correct. And it sounds scary right? Electricity hits the brain, a seizure happens, and, and that makes you better. It, it sounds terrifying, but I never miss an opportunity to remind people that medicine, surgery, anything medical sounds terrifying. You know, my, my father had a heart bypass. It completely saved his life. They literally drilled through his rib cage. Nothing is scarier than that. 
obviously when you need any medical intervention, it's going to sound scary because it is scary and it's okay to be scared. It's just that ECT just has this extra oomph. It has this extra something attached to it that makes it seem more dangerous, but don't give it any extra. That extra is manufactured in society's mind. It's not true. If you're wondering how in the world does a seizure help schizophrenia, well, that's still unclear. <laughs> like with most treatments for mental health, you hear the, it's thought to. <laughs> They're not really sure exactly how the seizure helps schizophrenia. The way it was described to me, and I've seen it described on the internet also this way, is like it's a hard reset. So if you're like, your computer's messing up, you close the application, it's still messing up, and finally you're like, you know what, fine. And you have to shut the whole program down and restart the whole computer. That's usually what they describe ECT as. So again, kind of falling in that last resort area. Yes, it is extreme. <laughs> but if you need to fully reset your computer, this is a way to go. ECT has actually been around since the 1930s, and that is where we have a lot of the, um, the scary portrayals of it, because originally it was given to people, they didn't get anesthesia, um, it was very painful, they were being shocked, the seizures, they would a lot of times have their bones broken, they try and hold the people down, they would strap them down. For many years, yes, this was, I don't want to say torturous, but it was for a lot of people, it still helped them, that's why they kept doing it. But yes, it was very dangerous because it led to so many other problems. As time went on, we've learned how to make it safer and safer, just like any other medical intervention like Gabe was talking about, surgeries. Yeah, surgeries used to be done without anesthesia also. Yeah, they had you bite on a bullet. That's where that whole trope comes from. Yes. <laughs> we don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, so now if you have electroconvulsive therapy, you're actually giving muscle relaxers. So you don't shake at all. Okay? So when you have it, they put it up to your brain. The seizure is like internal inside of you. You don't shake at all. You're sleeping through it. So you also don't remember any of it. You're pretty much put to sleep. It's outpatient. So it's done within like a few hours and then you go home. Rachel, obviously when it's described like that, which is in fact medically accurate, it's, it's just a mundane procedure, nothing to see here. So you can see why it is portrayed as this other, this other more dramatic thing that that's a much better movie oomph, right? But I'm still stuck on, we have access to medical knowledge. Doctors have medical knowledge. It just, are they not educating the patients? If this is what it looks like, which again, mundane description, and it is effective as, as we have discussed, and it is a treatment of last resort, which not, maybe not of complete last resort, but certainly a, a treatment that comes further down the line. All of these things seem to lend this idea that it would be utilized more often. Why isn't it? That eluded me for so long because I've had psychiatrists one um, a few years ago flat out tell me, oh, they don't do that anymore. And I'm like, yes, they do. I had electroconvulsive therapy. And she's like, no, they haven't done that since the 50s. And I'm like, what? Yes, they have. Like, I've had multiple ones tell me that, no, oh, wait, we don't do that in the U.S. Or, oh, I don't think that's a thing. And I'm like, I, I had it. It absolutely is. I've looked into it recently. In fact, both the American Medical Association and the National Institute of Mental Health support the use of ECT. However, electroconvulsive therapy is not a required subject in U.S. medical schools. And it's not a required skill in psychiatric residency training which is crazy to me. Again, this is something that saved my life and the idea that it's something that helps people with schizophrenia so much. 
and doctors don't have to learn about it. They can opt out of that one. That's incredible. That's incredible. To me, that's a great disservice to people with schizophrenia, period. I feel like more doctors, counselors, therapists should be versed in this because it helps people with schizophrenia so much and it's just not an option for a lot of people because they don't know about it. That is absolutely incredible to me, Rachel, because obviously we we want our practitioners to know every single treatment that's available for us. And this is definitely a, another gap in the, the schizophrenia treatment safety net that, that hopefully will eventually be filled in. But I want to make sure that we're not going too far the other way. I, I want to make sure that we're not selling this as, as a side effect free miracle cure that we're all being deprived of that would completely cure schizophrenia tomorrow. There are side effects and there are risks. This is not a treatment that somebody should consider lightly. It's just a treatment that somebody should consider. So let's flip the script and talk about the risks and the side effects. There are very real risks that do come with ECT. One of them is confusion, especially right after you've had the procedure. It usually goes away within a few hours, but it could last longer. And there's just like disorientation. Another is stiffness, you know, you did just go through a seizure. Uh, and sometimes that can take a little bit for people to fully get their body moving exactly how it was before. As far as I know, I never had any of those issues, but it's going to depend, you know, person to person, how you respond to it. Nausea, same thing. And that's usually from the anesthesia. But the scariest side effect that is most well known is memory impairments. Yes, ECT can cause memory loss. A lot of the times it comes back, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes that memory loss can be permanent. Rachel, is that scary for you? The, the idea that you've lost memories? Well, I don't remember them, Gabe, so no. <laughs> but <laughs> That's what people always ask me. But to be real, yes, I had a lot of memory loss for mine. Um, I have complete chunks of my life gone where I, I can't tell you. I've seen pictures, like my brother's graduation. And if you ask Rachel, were you at your brother's like high school graduation? No, I was not. And yet you can show me a picture of me at it. I don't even recognize myself in the photo. It's that weird wow. that I don't even recognize. I'm like, hey, she kind of looks like me. Then I'm like, wait a minute. I, I have no recollection of any of that. There are like some pretty major parts. For me, it's hard to even say how much I lost, but... I, I, ha I can't remember my college experience at all. I had ECT uh, right before my senior year of college. So I don't remember that. I don't remember the years after college. Um, when I first was considering ECT, I spoke with a young woman, and she was the other person I know who had gotten ECT, and she told me about her memory loss. And she goes, Rachel, you have to write everything down. Passwords to things. Write it all down in case you forget. And I took that a step further. I decided to make videos of it, and I ended up making a documentary called Watch If You Forget, and that was my collection of talking about the stuff I didn't want to forget before I went through the ECT, and it's funny because I can watch that now, and I have no recollection of any of that stuff. It's weird to even watch it and like hear myself talk because I'm like, what? Who is this girl? It looks like me, but yeah, I don't remember making any of it. It's on YouTube, by the way. Again, it was made a while ago. So <laughs> It reminds me of the movie Memento. Mm -hmm. Now, I know it's an older movie and I'm sort of reaching back in the archives 20 years, but the general premise was that he, he had no memory. 
So he would tattoo information on his body so that he could keep up. Or if we need maybe a, a, a comedy to use as a reference, 51st date. She could only remember a single day and then she'd forget when she slept. This is the thing that sort of conjures up in my, my mind when you say memory loss. I still want to hit very hard on this idea that do the ends justify the means? Are you okay with this memory loss in exchange for stability with schizophrenia? Because anyone listening would be like, look, schizophrenia already messes with my mind. I'm not going to let the treatment mess with my mind as well. The memory loss amnesia doesn't keep happening. So it isn't exactly like Memento and 51st Dates where it keeps on happening. It's more of just like a chunk was just taken. And sometimes like pieces of that chunk will come back and I'll be like, oh, wow. Many times that happens with people where parts that they have forgotten will start to come back years later. So sometimes the memory loss isn't completely permanent. Who knows? Next year, like all of mine could come flooding back to me. I'd be like, I remember that high school graduation. But as of right now, it's just a big old chunk of nothingness. Do you think it's worth it? For me, it was. ECT therapy has shown to be 70 to 90% successful in improving a patient. Now, improving, not curing. (laughs) This is not a cure. My schizophrenia did not go away. Um, But it did improve things. For me, it made it much easier for me to manage my schizophrenia. And a 2021 study of hospital records found that people with schizophrenia who received ECT treatment were less likely to be readmitted to the hospital within the next six months. That's an incredible success rate. And I'm really glad that you reminded our audience that there is no cure for schizophrenia. So what we're looking to do is make tomorrow better than today. And this is a treatment that absolutely achieves this, albeit with risks and side effects. What was it like? You received ECT. What was the experience like for you? It's outpatient and you have to bring somebody with you because you cannot drive. And when you first do ECT, you usually have it a few times a week. For me, I had it, I think, three times a week for two weeks. Then after that, you'll usually have some maintenance treatments. Uh, It's up to your doctors and it's up to how you're responding, how many maintenance treatments you might have. I had six treatments total. So not that many. Um, Honestly, maintenance treatments weren't even offered to me at that time. But yeah, it it really wasn't that exciting of a thing. My mom would drive me back and I took off work for two weeks and she could have watched over me. She has only said great things about it. For her, she said, you know, I came out of a very bad darkness and I was able to start managing my schizophrenia again. And I think it's always important to point out that you didn't skate, right? It's it's not magical. You've, you've had side effects. You've had issues. You've had bad days. You've had problems. You have memory loss. Your mom watched you for two weeks. There's There's all of these negative things that often don't get discussed when we, we're just so desperate to show that recovery is possible that sometimes we forget to, to remind our audience that you at one point were not recovered and had to make some really tough decisions. Before you had ECT for the first time, you obviously told your family, I'm having ECT. What was their response to this? To rewind back, so a doctor had told me about it, and this doctor, he was not a very good doctor, to be honest. He scared me, and I was thinking, no, no, that's too extreme. I'll never do that. Um, My schizophrenia continued to get worse, and within a year, I was at a different one, basically begging for it. 
that doctor's okay. We need to try a few more antipsychotics. I'd already been through quite a few and wasn't responding to them, but they wanted to make sure there wasn't an easier route. Um, none of those antipsychotics worked either. And he was the one who put me through the ECT. My parents have always been very supportive. I think for them, they probably were scared in the beginning, um, but they were there. They would go to the doctor with me. They were always part of this process. There was no like surprise. Um, it was getting very, very bad when I finally did decide to have the ECT. I can't tell you how I graduated from college. Those areas are like completely blank with the memory loss. But I know from like my writings and different things, I was really, really struggling. Um, everything had like fallen apart. It was just bits and pieces. Rachel, do you still get ECT? Is this like a medication where it's a lifelong treatment? It's going to be up to the individual. In a little bit, we're going to talk to Ashley, who's had a much different experience than I have as far as ECT. With me, no. However, a few years ago, I tried to get ECT again, and I was in the process of that, and then COVID happened. The facility that I went to, they shut down, and I started with a new doctor, and this doctor at the time didn't do ECT. So that kind of got pushed to the back burner, and I went through some other treatments. And honestly, Gabe, it's still on the back burner. It's not something that I've said, nope, um, we're still managing my depression and schizophrenia. If it starts to get bad again, yes, I'm going to push the current doctors that I'm with about, I want the ECT again. Your experience aside, what is typical? So everybody, when you get ECT, you're going to have those usually a week to two weeks to three or four of like kind of intense treatments, like every other day or two or three a week. Then it's kind of wait and see how the person does, see if they need maintenance treatments to follow up. And the maintenance treatments would just be like once a month, once every few weeks. The bottom line is you need to work with your provider to find out what is appropriate for you and not assume that just because somebody else had this experience or needed this number that you need that number or will have this experience. It is very individualized. It's just like taking antipsychotics. Every person with schizophrenia probably has a different dosage, different set of medication of the different people with schizophrenia that you know, Gabe, and I know together, I can guarantee you we all take different medications. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Gabe Howard here to tell you about the Inside Bipolar podcast from Healthline Media. He does the show with me. Dr. Nicole Washington, a board-certified psychiatrist. That's right. A guy living with bipolar and a psychiatrist team up to discuss living well with bipolar disorder. Listen now on your favorite podcast player or visit psychcentral.com slash IBP to learn more. Subscribe now so you don't miss out. And we're back talking about electroconvulsive therapy and its use in treating schizophrenia. 
when I was doing research for this episode and I was trying to think, who would I want as a guest? At first, I was going through medical articles. I was trying to find different doctors who are on like the forefront of this, ones who are still researching electroconvulsive therapy and schizophrenia. And I don't know, I, I just decided, wait a second, I know someone who is having this. Many years ago, that's the main thing that helped me make the decision was a young woman who decided to be open with me and she had ECT and she says, look, Rachel, this is what it's like. For me, it really helped. And it sounds like you're like I am and you should really try it. If just having someone who'd done it before, that's what helped me. That is why I reached out to Ashley because I was like, let's hear from someone else's perspective also. What is it like? And I'm so glad I did because yes, her journey is completely different than mine. That sounds great, Rachel. I'm excited to listen to this interview. Let's go ahead and play it right now. Today, we're speaking with Ashley, who is currently undergoing electroconvulsive therapy. First off, Ashley, thank you so much for being willing to talk to us about this journey, because I, I know it's it's an intense thing to talk about. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> you, you sound very easygoing, though, with it. <laughs> I, I've, I've had it for quite a while now, so it's... <laughs> Start us off back at the beginning. What led you to get electroconvulsive therapy? So I have schizoaffective. So I have bipolar type. I have like the schizophrenia symptoms plus bipolar symptoms. And my depression um, with the bipolar side of it was kind of, uh, I guess, not really being treated well. And I basically was treatment resistant. They offered to try ECT. And I agreed. And since I've been receiving treatment, been pretty helpful um, as far as treating my depression. And actually, part of my paranoia with symptoms has actually kind of improved too. Now, when you say you are treatment resistant, what were some of the other treatments that you've already been through? I mean, mainly just medication. I don't even know how many <laughs> forms of antidepressants, along with their medications. I just couldn't find a medication that was really working. You know, when I get psychotherapy too, that helps, but it just didn't take care of all of it. What is the process like to get ECT, to actually go and get the procedure? So there's the acute side of it, and then there's maintenance. Um, when I first started receiving ECT, um, they put me through an acute series I got treatment three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for two weeks. Once I finished that part of treatment, they pushed me over to maintenance. Um, right now, I receive it every two weeks. Basically, you know, when I get to the hospital, get there about 20, 30 minutes before my scheduled treatment time, um, just so they can throw an IV in me, I have to do PHQ-9. Um, which is a depression screen. Um, I do that before every treatment just so they can kind of track how I'm doing. Um, and they go over my medications. I talk to the doctor for five to 10 minutes. And then the anesthesia team is hooking me up to heart monitor, the oxygen monitor. Um, and then they're also hooking the actual ECT leads up to my head. I get the bitemporal, so I have electrodes on both sides of my head. 
once they get me all hooked up and I'm done talking to the UCT physician <laughs> anesthesia, then they go ahead and throw the medications in. Um, the very first time I had ECT, they did not give me anything for headache or nausea. Um, and I had really bad headache and nausea after that first treatment. So now they give me medication through my IV for that. And they give me medicine to fall asleep, which kind of stings. And then they give me another medicine that actually paralyzes your muscles. Procedure may last like a minute or two and you're, you know, asleep through the whole thing. And um, once they're done, they roll you into recovery, you know, with the nurses. And you're usually there for 45 minutes to an hour, kind of trying to wake up. When you're ready to go home, they'll roll you down to whoever came with you to drive you home. Now, I know the question that everybody wants to know is, what is it like? What is it like to get ECT? Actually, you know, I don't mind them putting me to sleep. It's kind of weird to say. <laughs> um, it's kind of a weird feeling. I always, as I'm drifting away, um, I always kind of give them like a peace out sign or see you later. Um, so I'm usually awake after like 45 minute mark. You know, I'm tired, obviously, like I don't remember a lot of, I seem to remember a little bit better now than when I when I first started getting it, um, my mom is the one who usually takes me um, on the way home. We'll usually stop and get breakfast. And then I come home and so I'll take like a, you know, one to two hour nap um, and wake up feeling okay. On day of treatment, you can't drive, so I can't like go anywhere. But I've noticed that if, if I feel good enough to work out or like go on a walk afterwards, the rest of my day is like so much easier. What side effects have you noticed? Definitely my memory. Um, that's the worst of it for me. You know, I have a daughter and there's a lot that I don't remember from when she was little. And so that is kind of a bummer for me. My husband has to remind me a lot of things, kind of big events that have happened in the past. How far back are we talking? So like, how far back are we, is this memory kind of disappearing? So I've been getting treatment now for four years. She is going to be four in March. I, I do remember bits and parts, but, but there's a lot that I, unfortunately, that I don't remember. Um, and that's the hardest part, um, really, for me. Do you think that ECT is working? I do. I think it is. I'm getting treatment in a couple of days on Thursday and I can tell over the last several days that I've been feeling my depression kind of kicking in a little more. I've been feeling a little more down. I'm definitely ready to be getting treatment this week. I think it has helped me stay out of the hospital before I was getting ECT. Gosh, I was in the hospital, not just for my depression, but for my other symptoms, maybe a couple times within a year, you know, I would go in to the hospital for safety reasons. Since I've been getting treatment, really stayed out of the hospital, which is wow. a great thing to have happen. 
it sucks being in the hospital. <laughs> now, you're pretty calm and collected <laughs> talking about it now, but were you always like this? Were you scared at all before you started ECT? Did you have any fear about what might happen? Yes, I did. I mean, when I was feeling probably at my worst, that my doctors were like, ECT is really the next step. You know, you're in and out of the hospital, medicines really aren't helping. It took me probably six months to actually agree to start treatment. But, you know, once I did, I mean, I really turned a corner. And now when I go in for treatment, I'm not afraid, you know, like it's just kind of routine. It doesn't seem to be a big deal for me anymore. What made you decide to get it? Was there anything specific that happened or you were just, I'm ready to try something new? Yeah, I was just feeling so bad. I mean, I had just had my daughter uh, and, and maybe that was why having a little, you know, postpartum symptoms, but I was feeling so bad and I couldn't take care of my daughter. I could barely take care of myself. It was my last ditch effort. I feel like, you know, I decided I I just need to do something different. I I don't want to hurt myself. I don't want to hurt anyone else. And I was afraid. I I really was afraid I was going to do something to myself. And it's kind of what made me, you know, make the decision to, to try it. And I'm glad I did. And I, I just want to mention that you're, you're very brave for taking that step. <laughs> um, and thank you so much for sharing it, because a lot of people, like me included, were terrified to get this done in the beginning. You're helping a lot of people out there who are probably on the fence. What would you mm. say to those people who are looking at maybe getting ECT treatment but are afraid or just don't know what to think about it? It does take a lot. I guess I should add to that I work in healthcare. You know, the whole kind of medical aspect of it, I was familiar with. That kind of helped me with my nerves, but things aren't working with, with treatment, with psychotherapy. And when you're at that kind of breaking point, there's not a lot of side effects. I've really only experienced besides the memory issue, positive things from it and things just aren't working out and you're not feeling good for a period of time. And, you know, and you have support, I think it's a good option. Before you actually decided to get ECT, what was your impression of it? Um, Like I said, I, I work in the medical field. I actually work in neurology I knew quite a bit about seizures, about epilepsy, about people having seizures. I had a good idea about what ECT was actually really about. But aside from that, aside from all of the knowledge that I have, um, yeah, I was I was kind of freaked out about it. I mean, I, like I said, I waited for a while before agreeing to it for a couple of reasons. Um, one being the memory part of it, you know, that concerned me a little. The driving part of it, for the two weeks that I was getting the acute series, you can't drive that entire time. And so that's kind of annoying. But I was kind of a little bit freaked out about it. But 
everybody, you know, all my doctors and stuff, it sounded pretty confident that it would be helpful. By the time that I was agreeing to it, I was pretty ready to try something new just because I was feeling so crappy. <laughs> How many ECT treatments have you actually had? Oh my, that's that's a good question. Um, like a ballpark. Um, oh boy. So four years of it. I mean, I have probably had over a hundred. Wow. Yeah, quite a bit. Okay. You have my six beat. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a lot. Wow. Ashley, are you concerned about any long-term side effects? It's really the only thing is my memory. And it's not just, you know, my memory on, on days of treatment. You know, it's memory on a day-to-day -day basis. When I'm with my daughter, I really try to absorb and, you know, take in my time with her. But I have a lot of things that I don't remember about being with her and her parts of her life stage and that my husband has to remind me of. And if I could have a video of, of everything, um, you know, all my time with her, that'd be great that I could look back on, but I don't. Um, so that's one thing I am giving up. But, you know, I think that my memory, you know, maybe not remembering everything is a fairly small thing for me being present for her and for my family in a good way. You know, me not feeling bad all the time, mm -hmm. you know, me not wanting to hurt myself, me being in a safe place and making sure that, you know, I feel good so I can feel good for everybody else and be a good mom and be a good wife and be good to myself. And, um, you know, I think that's more important um, in the long run. Have you gotten any stigma about going under ECT? Like, have you told anyone outside of, let's say, your your mother and husband? Um, no, I've I've only I actually haven't really gotten any stigma from it. I post some things on Instagram about getting treatment, and I've only ever received like positive kind of positive vibes or people that you know have come up to me like friends or you know, after reading my, my post or something, um, and had some people come up to me and saying that it's a brave thing to do. And it's, I'm sure it wasn't an easy decision. And, you know, I, I haven't gotten any, any bad stigma about it. I think that with any illness, do what you got to do to be well and whatever that may be, I would do it. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing a piece of your journey with us today. Um, believe me when I say, like, I think you're so amazing for doing this. Um, one of the biggest things when you're considering to get ECT, all you really see is kind of medical stuff on it or horror movies. Yeah. And there's not, there just aren't many people talking about it in a positive light and really say, look, this is an option. No, you're right. I mean, like, you know, I've seen plenty of movies where they have like ECT and, you know, and they put the stickers or whatever on their head, something in their mouth so they don't clench on their teeth and, and then they convulse everywhere. That's just so fake. Like, it's not at all what it is. It's a controlled environment. The doctors, 
they go to extra schooling to take care of you mm-hmm. and, and to give you the best treatment options and it's a safe environment. They wouldn't continue to have so much research and offerings if it wasn't you know effective for people. I'm younger um, than a lot of the folks that I see that go in for treatment, but there's people of all ages. I just think it's a, it's a good option if you need it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Ashley, and sharing your journey with us and our listeners today. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Rachel, good job as always. What was the most interesting part for you? What was it like for you to hear another person's experience with the exact same treatment you received? Even though I knew she was currently undergoing ECT treatment and had been for a while, I did not realize how many times she had. I mean, over a hundred. That is amazing and scary. And you talk about someone who keeps going back and getting this done so often. And to me, that's the most amazing thing because I don't think, myself included, clearly, but I don't think I've ever met another person with schizophrenia who is this determined to make it. The things she's going through for herself and for her family is is absolutely amazing to me. And I think that takes so much courage to repeatedly go through that. And to the fact now, you know, she's so cool and calm when she's talking. Like she acts like it's, it's nothing, even though she gets into telling us some very serious side effects that she's had to go through, especially being a young mother, parts of missing her child grow up. But she's willing to take those risks on to be there for her. So that she can have a better life. It's a risk reward and it's going to be different for everybody, but there's bravery there. You and I talk a lot on this show about how schizophrenia is is sometimes a, a pro and con list. In order to get this, you have to give up that. And it's unfair. Schizophrenia is unfair. When she was talking and she's like, look, I've got to give up some of these things so that I can be stable and present and in my child's life. There's this part of me that just like breaks a little bit. Like that's just such an unfair decision to have to make. And the way that she handled it, the way that she discusses it, it is inspirational, but it's also unfair. I I just want to remind our listeners that, you know, people with schizophrenia are doing the best they can. They're, They're making decisions like, do you want to remember your child's childhood or do you want to be present in their adulthood? Do you want to be stable or do you want to have memories? And sometimes you question why people are making decisions. And these are the decisions that people with schizophrenia are routinely faced with. I believe that she articulated that very well. And that really touched me. It absolutely touched me too. Um, I don't cry a lot, Gabe, but I think at some parts I, w- I was like, my eyes were getting a little bit moist. Could have been my allergies, but I think it was her <laughs> her story. Because even though I've known her now for a little bit, I, I didn't realize how much she has chosen to go through. And I think that's the most important part is that she is repeatedly making this choice and fighting to stay here on earth. Whether you have schizophrenia or not, if you've ever struggled with the suicidal thoughts, that's incredible for me to see her fighting against this stuff for her family and for herself. I thank Ashley so much for coming and doing this for our show. Yes, thank you, Ashley. Electroconvulsive therapy is not a cure for schizophrenia, and it's typically used in combination with other treatments. Due to the side effects, it is seen as a last resort, but it is an option. 
It's one that I hope people who feel like they've tried everything will look into. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Inside Schizophrenia. Please like, share, subscribe, and rate our podcast. And we'll see you next time here on Inside Schizophrenia, a Healthline Media podcast. You've been listening to Inside Schizophrenia, a podcast from Psych Central and Healthline Media. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com is or on your favorite podcast player. Your host, Rachel Starr Withers, can be found online at rachelstarlive.com. Co-host, Gabe Howard, can be found online at gabehoward.com. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.